You're in a Fenestration Conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everyone. Today we are joined by Suzanne Bernier. Suzanne Bernier owns SP Crisis Consulting, and she is a pandemic expert who was instrumental in developing the Ontario WSIB's response to the SARS epidemic back in 2006. Um, this was a response that was uh, widely admired around the world, uh, and such that she was actually invited to address the UN in uh, Switzerland about it. Um, so really a great person to have on to give us some advice about what our businesses should be doing in the current climate. Um, this is uh, sort of a special uh, podcast uh, about uh, coronavirus and uh, how your can, how you and your companies can protect your workers and your customers and uh, just sort of what the best responses are uh, at this time. It's uh, been difficult for everybody. Uh, as I think you'll hear from Suzanne, we may have some uh, even tougher times ahead, uh, not just uh, personally with the disruption to our lives and our work, uh, but obviously the uh, economic concerns are, are out there. Uh, so everyone uh, stay safe, hunker down, and uh, we'll do our best together. And now I bring you Suzanne Bernier with some tips for dealing with coronavirus. So we're here today with uh, Suzanne Bernier from, uh, what's the name of your company, Suzanne? SB Consultants, is that correct? SB Crisis Consulting, yeah. SB Crisis Consulting. Okay, great. Thank you. And Suzanne, why don't you just give us a, a, a little bit of background on, uh, on, on your involvement with uh, pandemic response. It's quite impressive. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I w I've been in emergency management now for almost 25 years. And when we started first being asked to plan for pandemic was back in, and some of you might recall, if you're old enough to, back in 2005 when bird flu was originally a concern coming from Asia and the potential of it spreading and becoming a pandemic. So ever since then, in 2005, I was tasked with, as were a lot of government emergency managers at the time, to start looking at what this pandemic stuff was all about and try to develop plans ahead of time so we could get ahead of it if we could. And so that's my first foray into researching and really finding out all about pandemic planning was back then. And um, as a result of that, then, um, well, SARS also happened before that in 2003 in Toronto. And when, when SARS happened afterwards, I, I happened to be the emergency manager and business continuity uh, person for the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board uh, here in Toronto. And um, I was tasked being the emergency manager and business continuity person for the WSIB to create their first pandemic plan. And this was a direct result of seeing what had happened in some of the failures during SARS. And the, um, we wanted to make sure as the WSIB that we took those into consideration and developed a really good solid pandemic plan to ensure that some of the things that we experienced during SARS would potentially not happen again should we have a more serious pandemic, um, a global pandemic. And as you know, SARS wasn't actually ever deemed a pandemic. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was definitely a, a localized uh, epidemic here um, in the Toronto area at the very, very least and some other localized area across the areas across the world. Um, so developed our first 
and basically it ended up it ended up being the province's first recognized pandemic plan um, that we had developed for the WSIB. And then with the goal of not only ensuring that we internally would be able to support our critical processes to ensure that we could all of the critical things that and payments that WSIB provides to workers that could continue if internally our operations were disrupted. But also, more importantly, what kind of direction and communication and guidance to give to employers of Ontario and what they should be notifying and telling their staff at the different stages of a potential pandemic. So that's really what that plan really was all about. And then afterwards, um, I was asked to present on the plan and speak about it at a um, United Nations uh, meeting in, uh, in Switzerland. And then from there, it ended up being discovered that we had probably one of the most solid plans in the world at the time. And, uh, and then I was invited to, um, to go to the United Nations headquarters for a few months and was commissioned to develop and deliver their first ever pandemic tabletop exercise to be able to test and see how the United Nations headquarters main operations in New York would still be able to operate globally with a pandemic situation. Um, so that was a huge endeavor, um, very eye-opening uh, from a global perspective to see all of the different impacts and, and basically what's going down now um, as a result of, of all of the different things that we had projected and forecast before. Uh, so that's, that's been my involvement. And since then, I've been speaking all over the world to be able to educate people on our lessons learned from what we experienced in the greater Toronto area from SARS, also from our experiences developing the pandemic plan for the WSIB, as well as us responding. We had internal uh, cases um, within our own offices. And so we have a lot of lessons learned from that perspective as well. I'm imagining people, employers are going to start seeing that very soon. So that's all of the things that I continue to talk about. And now, unfortunately, what I've been telling people to plan for and what was going to happen is now we are seeing it at a very escalated scale now. Yeah, that, that is for sure. I know you've got some fantastic expertise in the area of, uh, of, of pandemic planning and pandemic control. Uh, let's get right into it. The, the people that are listening to us right now are owners of Window and Door, uh, manufacturers and dealers, and also uh, glazing companies, companies that do uh, storefront commercial glazing, that kind of thing. Um, basically anything where you're, well, as we say, filling the holes on a building. Um, and uh, as you can imagine, they're, they're both manufacturing product to put on the building and, and installing that. Starting on the manufacturing side, Suzanne, what, what advice do you give to manufacturers that, um, that have shop floors with workers coming in what do they need to do in this pandemic to, uh, to keep everybody safe? Well, first of all, I, I think it's essential to still get that message out to everybody that washing your hands mm -hmm. is the most effective way of trying to avoid spreading this virus or any virus, frankly. And um, so we should be doing that anyway. The most important thing is to keep encouraging and getting that message out to our staff, um, to, to everyone that we need to do that. Apart from, I think a lot of people are kind of confusing and maybe thinking that hand sanitizer is okay instead of, but realistically, the most effective way of ridding this virus is, again, washing your hands for at least 20 seconds with soap and preferably warm water. But even if we don't have access to warm water, cold water and soap is better 
than nothing. And then as a backup, if you don't have access to that, make sure that you make available to everybody hand sanitizer so that they are able to have that backup. Also, I would encourage people if and when you can and, and make a decision proactively to do this before if and when you may be ordered to do this as things progress. And we are going to see things get much worse before they get better. And I'm not trying to say that in a, in a bad way, but it's just a realistic scenario that we're seeing now based on everything that this is worse than even what we, you know, of course, what we experienced through SARS as well as H1N1. Um, because of that, we need to really be really looking at what is critical operations and what is not, and make that proactive choice now before you may be ordered to. I'm thinking now about break rooms. Yes. Should you be trying to stagger break times so that everyone's not in there together? Right. And if anything, I would say that you definitely don't want to have people together. Um, you want to be able to have that social distancing. So there are guidelines out there. Make sure that you, you have access to the guidelines that are being provided by the local health authorities, by Centers for Disease Control, by Public Health here in Canada, the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board for the different provinces and their similar um, entities. But make sure that you go there for the guidance on what they're saying about social distancing and try to be able to really implement that because that's key as well. The way we know that this virus spreads is, is droplet-based through coughing and then perhaps somebody coughing into their hands and then having a handshake. That's key as well, making sure, again, encouraging that social distancing where people are staying at least six feet away from each other. Okay. And the best okay. way you can do it, you'll figure out. I mean, I'm not aware of every single per per workplace's environment, but based on that, that should help you decide how you're going to be able to plan accordingly. And again, I think the most important thing, though, really is to see what is most critical and to recognize that there are some things that you think that you're going to be continuing to or should be providing, but you may be asked at some point to step down parts of that as well. And then I think what's also really important is for people to start thinking about now because everybody's so forced now because this came on so quickly um, to be in a mitigation and response mode that we're not thinking about the long-term recovery and all of the different ripple effects that this is going to have not only within our communities and our country, but within your business level as well. And so start thinking about that now, how you're going to be able to recover your operations and the things that you've canceled or the things that you've put on the side or been ordered um, to. And, and when things start ramping back up again, how you're going to do that. Another thing I want to educate people on and make them aware of ahead of time, and I think we all should be doing that, so that if and when it happens further down the line in a couple of months down or whatever the timing is, we can't predict, is normally there's usually a second wave. Um, of a pandemic historically. So what that is, is several weeks or months after the initial height of this pandemic situation is under control, or we feel it is, and then we see the case levels down and we start getting back to business, we'll normally see a short, a short and, and sharp spike in cases again before they die down again. And I think that's really key for us to be communicating to our staff and to the general public and to our businesses out there to be able to let them know and so that they're not panicking if and when that happens and that they recognize, okay, this is, just, this is just something that will happen and we get through it, but you have the plans in place to be able to start enacting what we're enacting now again, should that happen. Sounds like having money in the bank would be a good idea. 
Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think it's also important to think about, I was talking about the ripple effect. And so that's another thing is if you're relying on certain systems, certain things to be able to work, to be able to still support your operations, know ahead of time that they may also fail intermittently as things get worse before they get better. I'm talking about everything from our critical infrastructure. And again, I'm not saying it in a way to, to scare anybody, but just it's a reality that as things progress before they get better, things are going to get worse. People are going to be directly impacted. Our system's going to be overloaded. And there are going to be a lot of effects from that. So think about that as well, what, what ripple effects may affect you, your company, your employees. But first and foremost, social distancing, trying to prevent the spread, ensuring that people are staying away from each other as much as they can, and trying to eliminate and push off those work projects or things um, or productions of things that are not essential or critical so that you can try to avoid the spread internally, because that I can guarantee you is going to happen. You're going to see internal cases, either of people, and I'm not saying that they're going to die, but I'm saying you're going to see cases because this is so large and there are so many people eventually that are going to get infected and they, most people will be fine, but there's going to be an impact for a while. And there are going to be cases or rumors of a case happening within your workplace. You need to think about now how you're going to start dealing with that. A lot of our uh, listeners have installers uh, who go out to people's houses to put the windows and doors in them. This requires them going in the house. Uh, very right. Much. And that I can tell you is probably that people should be thinking of that again, geographically, depending on where you're based yeah. and what the community yeah. spread is like and what the orders are going to be, because I can guarantee you there's going to be additional orders and measures that are going to have to be taken and announced within the next, over the next several days, mm. if not weeks mm. in different areas within Canada and across different areas as they uh, go through this within their own timeline. Um, so if this is just really important for us to recognize that as well. So you, so you think it's possible that businesses will be told not to do that? Yeah, uh, I think that in, in certain areas, I'm foreseeing, again, this is based on, this and, and so far I'm seeing everything kind of fall into place, just like us planners had thought about this way back, is, yeah, that, that, that we may very well see, and it may very well be required that we take some drastic measures in some of our communities, if and when we see increased spread over the next several days and weeks, um, that we will see orders for people to isolate in place, similar to what we've seen in what we've seen in Italy and Spain. Uh, we may very well have to see that implemented in a couple of our major urban centers until we can see those levels again dropping off for the immediate infection rate. I predict that will happen. And, and so that, again, think about what you're taking on and how you're subjecting yourself potentially in the meantime, going to people's homes. You don't know whether or not those people are infected or not. Right. And again, I would caution people ahead of time to start thinking about and planning for the possibility and the potential that no one will be able to and will be requesting your services to come to them because you won't be able to. Well, yeah, that's some chilling stuff, Suzanne. Uh, <laughs> well, and I'm not meaning to chill anyone. Oh, I know, I think that the best, the, the most effective way, I think, for us to be able to deal with this and um, well is to communicate it 
and just to be able to be aware of what the potential impacts are and stay ahead of it ahead of time. Are, are, gloves, are gloves and masks any use at all? Uh, very good question. So I would say, and this is something that we had come to an agreement on when I was back at WSIB as well, is that a, no, I mean, if anything, by telling people to don a mask and that that might increase their safety and security, if anything, is giving people a false sense of security. Unless you have N95 fit testers who are fit testing every single one of those employees or people um, who are going to be fit tested and know exactly how to be able to handle, take it on, take it off. Most people don't. And as soon as you take it off, you're exposed anyway. So again, it gives people a false sense of security, and it may potentially even increase the rate of infection if people think that they're handling, you know, this mask on and off, they're touching their face mm. even more with that if it's not properly fit tested. And if anything, with proper use of masks, and this is what we implemented at WSIB in the height of the H1N1 pandemic, was that if we had clients coming in or anybody who was displaying symptoms, you want to, those masks are to be used for people to be able, who are sick, that those droplets then, if they're coughing, they're not spread into the environment. So if people are going to encourage people to use masks, that's what we should be encouraging. If people who are sick, then you encourage them, but then you, you they shouldn't be coming around in public anyway. Hmm. But the people who are sick, those are the people who should be using the mask not the ones who think that they're going to prevent getting sick by using the mask. That would be ineffective. If you operate a showroom, right, where the public can come in, and it's normally not a lot of people at once, right? Like most, most stores will have, you know, maybe one or two couples wandering around their showroom at a time. Um, is this something you need to think about shutting down? Yeah, definitely. Really? I, I'm saying people really should, at the height of it, you know, and again, this is based on community-based decisions. Yeah. Depending yeah. on what, what it's like in your area. But I would say for any showroom in Toronto right now or any area that is impacted and has seen those numbers drastically rise by the day, I would say really look at shutting those showrooms down before you're ordered to, and you may be ordered to do it. And I'm not, I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody. I'm just saying based on yeah. Um, what yeah. what what we plan for and what I'm seeing when, and witnessing how rapidly this is evolving in certain communities, I would really encourage people to do that. What what everybody is is trying to do again is try to be able to level off those numbers before we get to an Italy situation. And so I would encourage everybody. Your showroom, how important is it right now yeah. compared to what we're seeing Italy go through? If we can. Let's try to stop that from happening. And that's exactly why these orders, we're seeing these orders happen now, and we'll see them increase based on community spread if and when it happens. And keep your, keep your sales staff in-house and on the phone rather yeah, than running around. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, advise them as well of the ripple effects that will happen where we may have lag times. And if you're asking people to operate from home and, um, you know, um, go online and things, there will be lag times. We're always st already starting to, to experience a bit of that. And as we see more people now being told to stay home and entertain themselves online or work online, we're going to see those issues as well. But as long as we communicate that, we're aware of that ahead of time. You've got those good business continuity plans in place, those backup plans in place. 
if and when that happens, that you can implement those. These are all things that we need to be looking at now. Last thing, Suzanne, um, how do you tell if a worker is getting sick with this? And if they are, how do you support them? And then what do you do in your operation if somebody does come down with it? Right. I think it's really key to get information out there. And there's information from valuable sources out there online that you can get access to mm-hmm. from you know, Health Canada, from Centers of Disease Control, from Workplace Safety and Insurance Board, I believe. But there are so many other areas where you can get to self-identify and Mm self-assess. First of all, for people to self-assess whether or not they might be coming down with symptoms. Um, So it's important for everybody, employers, to be able to communicate that to all of their employees or their customers, their clients, their contractors. Get those messages out there to people so that hopefully they haven't already come in with those symptoms and they've identified them ahead of time. Unfortunately, with this virus, there are several days ahead of time where you may not be displaying any symptoms whatsoever. So that's another thing that's why we're all encouraging social distancing right now and just closing things off to try to quash the spread as much as possible because we don't know how many people, and you may very well be walking around today feeling fine, but you are carrying the virus. And if you're shaking hands with people or sharing things with people or surfaces with people, you may very well be spreading the virus and not knowing it. So, uh, but the heightened time where you are most infectious, research shows, is during when you are showing signs. So yes, I would say immediately if someone has come to an environment where they are showing signs and symptoms and feeling ill, you want to isolate them as soon as possible. You want to make sure that you put, take them away from the rest of the general area so that they potentially are not spreading to anybody else. Again, encouraging that social distancing, keep them away. Right away, you're going to have to bump up the um, enhanced cleaning procedures for whatever area that person was in and close it off. And there are, again, online some really great resources um, that people can look to on how to be able to do that and what solutions you need. And it's really basic. Um, it's the regular cleaning supplies and solutions that you usually use to clean your, um, your places. But you're going to have to step, step it up as soon as if and when you see a case coming in within your own space and just try to ensure that no one else is infected by that case. Do you have to send everybody else home and shut down for two weeks while everybody quarantines themselves? Again, it depends on the physical aspect of of the situation. So if you've got somebody that's entered your building, they've probably, they may very well. I'm talking about a worker. I'm thinking of a, of a, of a, of a worker who, you know, yep. is not that bad in the morning and by afternoon they're running a big fever and coughing and etc is that it is is your whole operation pooch now and you know depending on the layout and the makeup of i i don't know i think that's a decision for everybody to make themselves however keeping first and foremost in mind the ultimate goal is to try to prevent the spread internally to anybody else and because of that, if you, and, and, you know, that person may not have coronavirus right. either, right? right? But we we have to be safer than sorry mm-hmm. for the next, you know, this heightened phase anyway. And the phase, right now we're in a heightened phase in Toronto, we're in a heightened phase in Vancouver, but we're not in other areas. So it, it really depends on what people really need to think about what they may have to do if they end up in that phase as well and trying to prevent that from happening at all. The best way you're going to be able to do that is, yes, trying to prevent people from congregating in areas where they may already be sick 
or showing symptoms of sickness and then potentially spreading it. Suzanne, this has been really great stuff. Um, uh, thank you so much for your time and your expertise on this. Thank you for being so generous with your time. Uh, I think this is going to be really, uh, really valuable information for everybody. So um, thanks again. And uh, we'll do this again once we know a little more, hopefully. For sure. Thank you. And be safe. Okay. Thanks very much. Fenestration Conversation is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.